Thank you for listening to audio from Gospel Community Church in Eugene, Oregon. For more information about our church or our Sunday services, please visit gccugene.org. So we are on the final week of our series we're calling Tracing the Roots. Um, and so we've been looking at kind of like the idol or like the sin beneath the sin, as we call it. Like, so we all experience sin in our life or brokenness in our life, but we're trying to trace it back down to the root, trace it back down to, okay, like what's the fundamental kind of issue that we're dealing with? So we've, been, we've looked at comfort, we've looked at control, we've looked at power, and this week we are looking at approval. And so when we are dealing with these, these root idols in our lives, um, you might have thinking like in the last three weeks, like this changes everything. Like some of those idols that were talked about, like maybe it was power last week and you're like, that's me. Like I totally struggle with power and every word was like, yes, this is like truth that my soul needs to hear. But I think some of these, those last three haven't quite hit home exactly. And I'm one of those people um, is, is like, yeah, I think we can like see every one of those areas kind of like a little bit, but I'm hoping that, that this week, will we'll speak to your heart if like those last three didn't and you're like this will radically change you and I'm praying that the Holy Spirit's work will, will help um, with that and allow that to happen so so we're talking about approval today and as Keller defines idolatry and in idolizing something it's just valuing something maybe even something good above God um, so that's the thing about idols is they're not actually bad things. I know when we talk about them over and over, we're like, that's awful. Like power's bad, comfort's bad, control's bad, and approval's bad. Um, but the, the truth is, is that they're not bad things. Like it's, it's not a bad thing, you know, to, to have power. Like think of the story of Joseph, like in the Old Testament, right? Like he was given influence and power. I mean, we wouldn't say that was a bad thing, right? As he used it for good. Um, same with like control, like being responsible and thinking forward and thinking ahead and things isn't a bad thing, right? <laughs> and having like somewhat of a say over what's going on. Um, and so it's the same thing with approval. It's not a bad thing to be, you know, liked by your friends, um, to be trusted by maybe a coworker or a boss or even recognize when you do something well. Like when people, we, we had the cohort group come up here and we recognize them. It's not a bad thing we would say to be approved of and, and, and accepted um, by other people. Um, but it becomes an idol when we worship and crave it and need others' approval to feel significant. And when we love the recognition that comes from other more than we love God, and so that's what Keller's saying is like, it's just valuing something more than we value God. And as I'm standing here, you guys, and, and I've talked to some of you, you're like, hey, how you feeling? You know, I, I, don't, I don't get up here a ton, and I'm just not feeling awesome. <laughs> As I was researching this, uh, I was staying at my, in, like, I've known I was going to speak on this for, like, five weeks, so you can't say, like, oh, it was last minute, you know, and blame it on that, but I've known about this for a long time, and I worked on this sermon, like, for a whole day, and, and to be honest, like, I just got really grumpy and agitated and, and not, like, and I just wasn't happy, and I think the reason why is because I was looking through the scriptures, like, God was surfacing something that was so far hidden inside of me. Um, that it just made me a not nice person um, on the outside. And I think that's what happens sometimes when God, like, enters into the core of your heart, is I think it, it kind of, like, makes us, like, I think of a bird, you know, when it, like, ruffles its feathers, or a cat when it's, like, gets scared, and it's, like, you know, the, the hair and the tail get all puffed up. Like, that's how I felt. I was just kind of, like, on edge. And to be honest with you, I've started this sermon and thrown it away probably about half a dozen times. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this will be good <laughs> this morning. Um, yeah, and something was off, 
and, and it's because he exposed this deep sin in my life and this idol in my life, and I didn't know what to do. And some of you might be sitting in these seats going like, okay, like that, that might happen, is he might expose something deep down, and you might not know what to do about it. And I realized that I had, like, struggled my whole life. Like, I grew up in a non-Christian home, so, like, my foundation of what I built my life on was the approval of other people and what other people thought. I'll give you a couple examples um, so you can see into my life. The first is, like, anybody in, like, grade school back in the 90s, uh, I loved Pokemon. Like, Pokemon was the coolest thing. I had, like, the cards. I had, like, the little toys. And then apparently I didn't get the memo that when you went into middle school, you weren't supposed to like Pokemon anymore. And so I, like, bring my toys and my cards, like, to class. And, and all of a sudden, like, people started making fun of me because I liked Pokemon still. And so I, I was so in need of other people's approval. What did I do? You would think that I would just throw them in the trash can, my, my toys, right, or give them away, something sensible a, a human being would do. But no, I had the idea that the best way to get rid of them is to flush them down the toilet. I wish I was kidding. So I have these like I have these little Pokemon balls, and I got the you know the little Charizard toys and stuff like that. And I start tossing them in the toilet, and I like flush it down. And soon enough, the water starts like overflowing, and and it's in the entire bathroom. My dad, and and this is like at three in the morning too. So because I'm like up at, up at night, like in my bed, thinking like my friends don't like me because I like Pokemon. And I just do something about it. And so my dad at 3 in the morning has to take off the entire toilet, like the whole seat he had to take off. And like he's sucking out all of this stuff. And there's like Pokemon toys like coming up. Because I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was just a big poop, you know. I don't know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden he finds these Pokemon. He's like, okay. You know, he's like, just throw them away. So anyway, that's a story. If you want to see what my life was built on, um, I also played a lot of sports. And, and, you know, usually when you're playing sports, you're like, I want to be the best, right? Like, I want to be the, the top scorer. I want to be this. No, me, I wanted to be the best teammate possible. Like, so when I would play hockey, I would try to pass it to all the other guys because I wanted people to like me and wanted to play with me. And so I wasn't concerned with all the points and, and recognition, like, on that sense. Um, but I wanted to be known as a good teammate. And that carried over into college. Like, I never really drank, like, in high school, but as soon as I went to college, like, that was a cool thing to do, and you were liked when you drank. And so I started drinking heavily in, in college, which, as you know, could lead to a lot of issues. <laughs> and, I, and I struggle with it in ministry, too. So I work with a, a student group on, on campus called Crew, and uh, it's easy for me to get my recognition by what students think of me. Um, or to gain my value from that. And I do it in marriage as well. Like what my wife thinks of me can, can make or break my day. So I, t I tell you all these things um, because I'm standing up here as somebody who is like still working through it. I know that's why, not why I'm standing here. I like to just see you all like and, and be down here. But I, I wanted to, I want to speak to you like as a peer and as just like a fellow brother in Christ who is like currently struggling with these things and has for my entire life. Um, and it's tough for me to be up here, and it's something I haven't mastered, and so as we dive into God's word, know that that's who it's coming from, is, is a fellow peer um, and brother um, who is being exposed. And so my guess is, is as I was sharing those stories, <laughs> and I've, I've talked about approval, like some of you are like squirming in your seat a little bit because you're like, that's, that's me. Like everything I do, the decisions I make or maybe don't make in one way or another centers around people liking me 
uh, being attracted to me or affirming me. And maybe it's easy for you to say like, yeah, I struggle with this. But some of you might be sitting in here going like, do I have an idol of approval? Let me give you just a list of things like, okay, here's some indicators. Uh, Rick talks about like, you know, a sign on the dash, right? Like if there's a blinking light, you're not going to go dump water on the hood. You're going to get in and, and see what's going on. So these are just like lights on your dash of like how you might be struggling with approval. And so the first is receiving feedback or constructive criticism is very difficult for you. So if somebody gives you, um, yeah, some advice or criticism, because to you it's translated, they don't like me, or I did something wrong, and, and they are not approving of me when, when they're just trying to um, construct or change something that you have done, not who you are. The second is maybe you avoid hard conversations or confronting people because you fear the rejection or that it will ruin your friendship. So you um, maybe avoid conflict or avoid tough conversations with people. Number three is, uh, your, I've struggled with this, <laughs> your schedule is jam-packed because you don't want to say no to people. So you, you're just saying yes to everything because if you say no, it equates to maybe they won't like me if I don't help them with this or I don't say yes to this. The fourth is you have an inability to leave unhealthy relationships because you fear no one else could love you. And so you stay in these relationships that are not good for you because you're afraid that this is the only person that could ever approve of me. You often uh, leave conversations wondering if the other person likes you. Some, like all of these are based on experience, just so you know. Um, and, and you replay the conversation in your head, wondering if you said everything right if you, uh, or said a wrong thing or if they like you, something like that. Uh, this is a good one. You check your Facebook or Instagram posts multiple times a day to see how many people and who liked it. And maybe if not enough people liked it, you delete it because it didn't get a, as much approval or acceptance as you wanted it to. And the last is, uh, I do this, you change your outfit multiple times in the morning because you're worried about what others think about your outfit or if they will like it. I literally did that this morning. This is my second outfit, so... <laughs> And this is not exhaustive, um, you know, there's a lot of other things, but I think it could give you just a quick indicator of, yeah, I, I could struggle, you know, with this, and this is a sign on the dashboard that something's going on underneath. And so if you're nodding your head, you know, from maybe multiple things, some of you I saw like smiling, like, oh shoot, like how did he know that? You know, it's because I'm, I'm you too. So <laughs> um, you probably are serving in some way, you know, the idol of approval. And at this point, um, I don't know how you're feeling, but I can feel pretty helpless um, when I know that I'm serving this idol. Um, and that th there's this like never-ending hunger, it seems, for people's approval and, and that we can never overcome it. And the good news is that there is someone who is bigger than your idol of approval and your need for approval. And hopefully, like, yeah, this, this truth will transform us as we're sitting in this room. So we're going we're gonna to jump into the Word. Um, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. So if you're new to your Bible, it's like if you just open it up halfway, you're going to either hit, like, Isaiah or Psalm. You might even hit Proverbs. So Proverbs is after Psalm and before Ecclesiastes. And we're going to be looking at Proverbs 29:25. So just one verse um, that we're going to be looking at. So as you turn there, just a, a, a quick, quick background on the book of Proverbs. Um, it's just a collection of wise 
wise sayings written around the time of Solomon. So kind of like David, you know, is attributed to the Psalms, Solomon is attributed to the Proverbs. Um, most people think that he wrote them all, and he didn't. So they're just a collection, like, around his time. He did write some of them or come up with some of them. Um, but they're basically, like, they're passing down, like, sayings. And that was very uh, popular in this cultural time period is, is to say, like, you have all these sayings, and, and the, the mom would, like, pass them down to their kids to teach them to be wise or teach them how to live life. Right, and and I don't know about your mothers in the room if you had one or, or or mother figures, like did they have like little quick like sayings? I know mine did. My mom used to say, "You get what you get, and don't throw a fit." Like that was like you know my theme of life pretty much. Like, don't <laughs> don't complain about what you have, or if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Right. Um, so proverbs are are a little bit like that. They're like these sayings that will just like. You would keep in your head uh, to try to live life um, in fear of God. And so these things, they would stick in your mind and encouraging you. Uh, they're, they're all on this theme of fear of the Lord. And so they're all like pointing towards wisdom is fearing the Lord, right? And so the one we're looking at today comes from, his name's Hezekiah. He has a collection. Basically, he put together a bunch of sayings, and then now they're put in this book of Proverbs. So that's one of the ones we're looking at. So let's read. Verse 25, it says, The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. Okay. So we see the fear of man lays a snare. What is this fear of man talking about here? Um, I like the way Tim Keller, if you know who I researched, Tim Keller, I'll be quoting him a couple of times. <laughs> um, he puts it, it's, it's looking to human beings more than God for our worth and our value. That's what fear of man is and fearing man is looking to human beings more than God for our worth and value. It's a deep fear of disapproval from those around you. And that could be your family, it could be your friends, um, it could be your boss or your coworkers. Um, it could be people you don't even know, right? You enter a room of a bunch of people you don't know and, and you want them you know, to like you or approve of you. And so uh, Keller is saying, and, and what Proverbs is saying is the fear of man is just is valuing that more than you value anything else. And I think for a lot of us, we enter a room fearing man, or we enter uh, our relationships in fear of those people. And so, yeah, honestly, as I stand up here and, and for the weeks, I'm like fighting, you know, this temptation f to get your approval as I stand up here. You know, it, it's, I'm afraid that I'm going to say something stupid. I'm going to say something like theologically inaccurate. I'm afraid I'm going to say something wrong. Or maybe you won't even like the shirt I'm wearing today. So, you know, like I am standing up here and, and I have this fear of man that is like tied to this, uh, this idol of approval in my life. And the truth is, as I, as I think about, I think a lot of us go about life that way in fear of man, fearing of what other people um, think of me. And in constant gripping fear of rejection, not being liked or being uh, disapproved of. And so the, the emotion that's actually tied, this is interesting, the emotion that's tied to the idol of approval is cowardice. And, and I didn't like, I was like, I don't like that word. You know, I don't like the word coward. Um, but it's defined as the lack of bravery, excessively afraid of danger or pain. And my favorite is this. This is from Google. It's the image of a dog with, a tail tucked, with its tail tucked between its legs. And, and to be honest, this is the emotion that we actually feel when we're constantly worried about if other people like us. We live with our tail tucked between our legs. Like we're always afraid and like looking around 
and scared of being rejected by people are not enough for them. And that's what this proverb is pointing at, is the fear of man is, is really just like kind of this cowardice, this, this, this fear, this deep fear of something more than we love God. And let me give you an example um, from, the, from the Bible, and, and it's uh, going to be up behind me. It's in John chapter 12, just a, a really quick background. Um, Jesus has predicted his death. God's voice is literally like heard coming from heaven, like speaking to him. Um, and saying, like, yes, he, like, he will glorify my name. And, and everybody's like, I, I, heard, I heard that, right? Um, but it says as, as some still had a hard time believing him. And so we'll, we'll look at this. It says, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the, of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So the, you see these people, like they believed that they heard the voice, they believe in Jesus, but they were afraid to say or do anything about it. And I would say, why did they did that? Because they were afraid of the Pharisees. They were afraid of, of man. And I would say that that is cowardice. Like it's cowardice to, they tuck their tail between their legs and they didn't do anything and they didn't say like, yes, Jesus, you are the son of man, I want to follow you. No, they chose to, I, I say, be cowards and, and not step out in front of that. Because, and it tells you right in verse 43, they loved the praise that came um, from man more than the praise from God. And I think that's what cowardice is. It's living in fear of what other people's opinions are. And if I'm honest, I see this a lot in myself as I even read this. And I'm afraid of, of, of what people, you know, will think or say. Um, there are times I even wanted to call Rick and be like, dude, you know, I think I'm going to be sick in a couple weeks. And so I don't know if I can, I can do this. You know, why did, I, why did I, like, have that temptation? It's because I was afraid, you know, of, of what people would think. And I think uh, if you're honest with yourself, a lot of people sitting in these seats would have that same fear. And so as we continue reading, it says the fear of man lays a snare. Um, that's what fearing other people or, like, needing other people's approval leads to. The NIV, I like the translation. It says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, not just lay a snare, but prove to be one. And I like this because it, it, it tells you what it'll lead to. The word here is uh, used for a hunter, like, trapping their prey. I've never been hunting before, but I do know what a mousetrap is. You know, I played, I played the board game, and I've, I've seen one in the store, and I know not to touch it. Right? But it's a pretty simple idea. You put a piece of cheese or something in this little mechanism, and the mouse is like baited to it. It steps on it, smack. Some of you are like, that's so mean, you know? But that's, that's the idea, right, is, is, you're, is you're trapping these mice. But the trap won't work. Like if it's just sitting there, a mouse isn't going to like stumble across. I mean, the chances are pretty low. But it only works if it's baited, right? Like it's, it's only going to work if there's a piece of cheese and something that it wants. And I think that's what's going on with the desire for approval or the idol of approval. And this proverb, I think, hits it right on the nose. We get so enticed and, like, baited um, by, by the love, affection, and approval of other people. Um, and it, that's what it's like. We're, like, trapped by this, and we're, like, baited by it, right? And we go towards it, and it just, like, traps us. And so I think our culture, like, does not help with this at all, right? Like, just think of all the social media platforms. I would say, like, I'm a grandpa, like, stuck in this you know, 30-year-old body, because I don't, I don't use a lot of social media, but I understand the concept of it is, like, you're, you're literally basing your, like, profile off of how many followers you have. Like, I've heard people talk about, like, I need to have, I need to have, uh, what is it, I have, I need to have more followers than people I'm following, 
I don't know if you've heard that before, but it like shows that you're like cooler, uh, that you, you don't follow as many people as are following you. And I think that like that's what social media does is it says like you're approved by this many people, right? And you're literally counting the amount of followers you have, you know, or, or like posts with like likes, you know, it's like it literally counts your likes. How many people are like, yeah, I approve of that, you know, or something like that. And and I think our pictures do the same, right? It's like we, we put ourselves up and we, we, we take pictures uh, to show and try to get like approval and like people like, oh, I like your life or, or like what I see and things like that. Don't get me wrong, not everybody uses social media that way, but I think that's what our culture tells us to do, right? Is to have as many followers as possible and as many likes as possible. And before we know it, we're like trapped by this anxiety of wondering if we're enough for people or if people do truly love us or will leave or abandon us. Like, hey, maybe I have this follower, but will they stay following me? Or I have this friend, but will they continue to be my friend? Like even when they see the dirty parts of me. And I think many of you know what it's like to be trapped, you know, by those feelings. And and honestly, we become just like the mouse. We've gone after something that looks good, is ultimately going to kill us spiritually, mentally, and sometimes physically. And I think, this is, I think this is a big one. I think another way we get trapped um, in this is in our own selfishness. So I think people f- uh, with a need for approval become really self-focused. I was in a conversation uh, actually um, with my sister yesterday, um, and, and it was like a harder conversation with her, to be honest. Um, and she said, and, and I, I left the conversation, and I spent about 30 minutes thinking about what I said and if she liked what I said, or approved of what I said, and I spent zero time throughout the entire conversation or even afterwards loving and caring for her throughout a hard conversation. And I think that can be true of a lot of our conversations. We're thinking about what do I say next uh, that they will like, or what, what kind of advice can I give, you know, so that they will like it or like me, um, but we don't spend very lo- much time actually loving and caring um, for that person. And uh, and she said something in the conversation, because we were actually talking about this topic, funny enough, um, is she says, wow, that sounds so exhausting, just needing people's approval all the time and like wanting and seeking it. And I, and I thought to myself, like, you're absolutely right. And I feel so trapped in this because I'm so focused on myself and what people think of me that I'm literally incapable of loving the people around me. And that's really hard for me to say, but I think it's very true. And so throughout this conversation with my sister, uh, you know, I was so surprised when I stopped and thought about it. I was like, I did not love her very well in this conversation, but I did a good job of loving me and loving uh, being approved of by her. And so I think that's what the truth is. We just become so self-focused and we crave all this that we become, I think, like clingy. We, we are overwhelming and, and we smother others because we are constantly like in need of, of um sometimes compliments or affirmation. Uh, my wife would tell you that I would talk to her and like sometimes I like, you know, bait and switch a little bit to like get a compliment or something like that. And she doesn't fall for it, unfortunately, sometimes. But <laughs> And so we're looking for this like stamp of approval from people, right? And we're trapped in that because we'll, we'll never find it from those. So as we continue on, uh, it says, but... Um, whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. That's what I love about Proverbs is it like kind of gives you a problem, right? But then it gives you the answer too. I, I love that because I'm like, wait, I don't, I, I don't have to like think about what, what they mean, you know? It just tells me straight up and I like that. Uh, I like to fix things. So if there's a problem, my first response is how do I fix it? 
right? And so I'm, I'm grateful for Proverbs because it tells us, like, okay, what do we do about this fear of man that we have? And it just is simple. It says, trust in the Lord. And we hear that phrase all the time, right? We, we need to trust in God. We need to trust in his timing, his plan. But what does that actually mean? And it says, and I, I like the way Keller explains this. He says, the only thing that casts the f- out the fear of man is a deep love relationship with God. And it says, perfect love casts out fear in 1 John 4, 18. And so what we should all notice is when we put our trust in the people around us is that we're always let down. And the reason why is because people around you are incapable of loving you perfectly. They're not going to love you the way that you really need and actually want deep down. Now, I love my wife more than any human on the planet. Sorry, y'all. But there are times where, where she will fail to love me perfectly, right, where she doesn't approve of me perfectly, and where um, she doesn't always delight in me. Surprise, I know. Um, but you know what? Is, is God's love is perfect. And the proverb is telling us to trust in that love and in the Lord. And so here, here's how and why uh, his love is perfect. Um, and this is where the gospel really speaks into our need for approval. Um, it says, uh, I can't remember, this is where I'm blanking right now, but in scripture, God is, uh, Jesus is, is just baptized and God's voice is coming from heaven and he says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Um, and he is basically given the seal of God's approval right then and there. The, the interesting thing about that scene is Jesus literally hasn't done anything yet. He hasn't started his ministry at all and God says, I, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased before he does anything. And so God's love is perfect and not contingent on, based on Jesus' works or his actions, right? And, and when you, or, or people in this room, this is why the gospel is good news, um, is that when you come into a relationship with God, it says that you are, are union with him and you become one, right? And you are covered in Christ. So if that's true, then when God looks at you, he, he doesn't see you necessarily anymore, and I, and I think that there's a little bit when people say, when he looks on you, he sees Jesus. That, that is true. But I think what's more accurate is when he looks at you, he sees a perfect uh, a union between you and Jesus. It's kind of like, you know, when you get married, you're like, we're known as the Clausens now. And so when people look at our marriage, they see Sarah and me. Like there's no Clausens without both of us. It's the same idea. Like when you become in a relationship with God, you become one. And when God looks at you, he sees both of you in a perfect union together. And he says, this is my son, my daughter, in whom I am well pleased because you're in a perfect union with Jesus and you're covered in Christ. And so, um, and he perfectly approves of his son and you are one with him and he approves of you. He always delights in you and scripture says he sings praises over you. And the, the truth here is, is the same with Jesus. Like, you didn't do anything to actually get that approval. The only thing you did was, like, surrender and let Jesus come into your life. That's the only thing you did, which is kind of nothing, if you think about it. Um, and so there's, if that's true, then there's nothing you can do to actually get more approval or less. Like, you are perfectly approved of because you are, are in a union with Jesus. And I love that about the gospel. And that's what has been good news to me. Uh, throughout my kind of like time looking at this is like I can't actually lose God's approval that's my biggest fear is like maybe I don't know maybe one of you like likes me one day but tomorrow is a whole different story right but that's not the way it is with God is he approves of you always and there's nothing you can do to lose that 
Yeah, and uh, truth be told, if everyone in this room, like if you all came up to me and were like, dude, I approve of you, you're so awesome, I would feel good, you know, for like, but it, it would last about an hour, really. And I walk out the, the doors of the church and I go, man, I wonder if I like said things right. And, that, and that's the problem, is, is if we look to other people, it's never going to be enough. We're always going to want more. And it's kind of like when Jesus talks about he's the living water, come to me and you'll never be thirsty. It's like a, when we seek approval for other people, we're always thirsty and we're always looking for more. But Jesus says, if you come to me and, and you trust in me, you will never be thirsty again, which means if you rest and trust in my approval of you and my love for you, I already have, not based on anything you've done, but because of the simple fact is I love you and already have approved of my son Jesus who lives within you, then you won't be thirsty and needing approval from other people anymore. And so, yeah. The, the gospel says that we're never meant to get our worth and value, you know, from what other people think of us, but we're meant to get it from God. And so that's why we're actually, like, continuing to, to look for it, is we're actually meant to, to find it, right? Like, we have this kind of innate desire in us to, to, to be approved of or, or have friends that like us because we have this, you know, kind of we're designed in the image of God and we are approved of by him already. We're just looking for it in other places. And um, we already have this ultimate stamp of approval, but unfortunately, you know, most of us, myself included, we live like this isn't true. And so, yeah, I think the key word, word in this whole proverb is trust. Um, and I know it's kind of weird to, like, talk through a proverb because it's just, like, two lines. And, and the definition of trust is this, and I think as, as we kind of bring this to a close, I really want to... Uh, um, draw into this um, idea of trust because that's what the the res the excuse me um the answer is right is we need to trust in the lord and we're kept safe a trust is a firm belief in the reliability the truth the ability or strength of someone or something i love that it's a firm belief in the reliability the truth ability or strength of someone or something See, our trust is not in ourselves or what we're able to do to get approval from other people, but our trust is in God, the one person, right, who has the reliability, the truth, the ability, the strength, you know, to overcome those things and to show us his deep approval. And so when we trust in this truth, this alone, that God approves of you because of Jesus, you are safe. I think that's really beautiful. It's like he literally just takes the mousetrap and throws it away. And you're just, you don't have to worry about it anymore because you're, you're trusting in the fact that he has already approved of you. There's no more bait anymore. You're like, that's just a mousetrap. I ain't going towards that, right? There's, there's no more bait. There's no more enticing when you are trusting in this truth that God has already approved of you and loved you through Jesus. And there's nothing, nothing you can do to lose that. And, and people's thoughts and opinions of you, they can't hurt you anymore. It's kind of like the bait literally can't jump off the, the mouse trap and start chasing the mouse down, right? It, it, it can't happen, so you won't be afraid. I think you, you'll be tempted by it, don't get me wrong, but you won't have this deep fear of what other people think of you because you are safe um, in the approval of God. And as we close, I... I uh, I was in a meeting last week, and uh, my good friend and my boss, not many people can say that, uh, he read us this story, and it's a children's story, and before you go, oh man, he's going to read a children's story, 
hear me out. Um, this, I think this story does an amazing job of centering on the heart of what we're talking about today. And I think it does a really good job of giving kind of like a childlike uh, depiction of what it looks like to trust um, or like fear man, but then turning into a trust of God. So um, yeah, I'd love to read this with you. So put your like become like an elementary school student again and it's story time, right? Like clear your mind of everything. Close your eyes maybe. Don't fall asleep. But I want, to, I want you to just really um, focus in on this story here. It's called You Are Special by Max Lucado. And some of you have heard it before. But it says, The Wemmicks were small wooden people. Each of the wooden people was carved by a woodworker named Eli. His workshop sat on a hill overlooking their village. Every Wemmick was different. Some had big noses, others had large eyes, some were tall, and others were short. Some wore hats, others wore coats, but all were made by the same carver and all lived in the same village. And all day, every day, the Wemmicks did the same thing. They gave each other stickers. Each Wemmick had a box of golden star stickers and a box of gray dot stickers. Up and down the streets, all over the city, people could be seen sticking stars and dots on one another. The pretty ones, those with smooth wood and fine paint, always got stars. But if the wood was rough or the paint chipped, the Wemmicks gave dots. The talented ones got stars too. Some could lift big sticks high over the head and jump over tall boxes. Still others knew big words or could sing very pretty songs. Everyone gave them stars. Some Wemmicks had stars all over them. Every time they got a star, it made them feel so good that they did something else and got another star. Others, though, could do little. They got dots. Punchinello was one of these. He tried to jump high like the others, but he always fell. And when he fell, the others would gather around him and give dots. Sometimes when he fell, it would scar his wood, so the people would give him more dots. He would try to explain why he fell and say something silly, and the Wemmicks would give him even more dots. After a while, he had so many dots that he didn't want to go outside. He was afraid he would do something dumb, such as forget his hat or step in the water, and people would give him another dot. In fact, he had so many gray dots that some people would come up and give him one without a reason. He deserves lots of dots, the wooden people would agree with one another. He's not a good wooden person. After a while, Punchinello believed them. I'm not a good Wemmick, he would say. The few times he went outside, he hung around other Wemmicks who had a lot of dots. He felt better around them. One day, he met a Wemmick who was unlike any he'd ever met. She had no dots or stars. She was just wooden. Her name was Lucia. It wasn't that people didn't give her stickers. It's just the stickers didn't stick. Some admire Lucia for having no dots, so they would run up and give her a star, but it would fall off. Some would look down on her for having no star, so they would give her a dot, but it wouldn't stay either. That's the way I want it to be, thought Punchinello. I don't want anyone's marks. So he asked the stickerless Wemmick how she did it. It's easy, Lucia replied. Every day I go see Eli. Eli? Yes, Eli, the woodcarver. I sit in the workshop with him. Why? Why don't you go find out for yourself? Go up the hill. He's there. And with that, the Wemmick with no marks turned and skipped away. But he won't want to see me, Punchinello cried out. Lucia didn't hear so Punchinello went home. He sat near a window and watched the wooden people as they scurried around giving each other stars and dots. It's not right, he muttered to himself, and he resolved to go see Eli. He walked up the narrow path to the top of the hill and stepped into the big shop. His wooden eyes widened at the size of everything. The stool was as tall as he was. He had to stretch on his tiptoes to see the top of the workbench. 
A hammer was as long as his arm. Punchinello swallowed hard. I'm not staying here. And he turned to leave. Then he heard his name. Punchinello? The voice was deep and strong. Punchinello stopped. Punchinello, how good to see you. Come and let me have a look at you. Punchinello turned slowly and looked at the large bearded craftsman. You know my name? The little wimmick asked. Of course I do. I made you. Eli stooped down and picked him up and set him on the bench. Hmm. The maker spoke thoughtfully as he inspected the gray circles. Looks like you've been given some bad marks. I didn't mean to, Eli. I really tried hard. Oh, you don't have to defend yourself to me, child. I don't care what the other Wemmicks think. You don't? No, and you shouldn't either. Who are they to give stars or dots? They're Wemmicks, just like you. What they think doesn't matter, Punchinello. All that matters is what I think, and I think you're pretty special. Eli looked at Punchinello, put his hands on those small wooden shoulders, and spoke very slowly, because you're mine. That's why you matter to me. Punchinello had never really had had he never had anyone look at him like this, much less his maker. He didn't know what to say. Every day I've been hoping you'd come, Eli explained. I came because I met someone who had no marks. I know, she told me about you. Why don't the sticker stay on her? Because she has decided that what I think is more important than what they think. The stickers only stick if you let them. What? The stickers only stick if they matter to you. The more you trust my love, the less you care about the stickers. I'm not sure I understand. You will, but it will take time. You've got a lot of marks. For now, just come to see me every day and let me remind you of how much I care. Eli lifted Punchinello off the bench and set him on the ground. Remember, Eli said as the women walked the door, you are special because I made you, and I don't make mistakes. Punchinello didn't stop, but in his heart he thought, I think he really means it. And when he did, a dot fell to the ground. Let's pray. Lord, something as simple as a as a children's story can just speak so deeply to our hearts and remind us, Lord, that no matter how much good people say or bad people say about us, it only matters if we let it. And Lord, I pray that if we are struggling with the thoughts and the opinions of others, that we would run to our only Savior and our complete and full approver, and that's you. And I pray that we would go to your word and, and uh, let you remind us of that truth, that you have fully approved of us, and that's all because of what your son Jesus did um, and not because we, what we do. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.